0: But his girl
1: hey everybody welcome back to the punk till i die podcast episode 196 i'm tom of course how you doing neil
2: i'm doing all right today yeah it's early today early first it miracle. Is. and there neil we're
1: continuing continuing our hit parade of bringing you only the top shelf punk rock guests
2: exactly ba yesterday and today we've got
1: so so our actually our guest today has many names I actually his wikipedia page actually has some that i didn't even know but of course blag dahlia blag the ripper Blag Jesus, and and most recently I think Ralph Champagne. So how are you doing, Black? I'm feeling strong, man. Ralph Champagne has arrived, right? <laughs> yes. So, so it's so it's funny, right? You've you've kind of tampered with or tampered with, tinkered with this character before, this sort of Ralph Champagne character. Of course, if, if anybody who doesn't know this is the singer for the Blag is the singer for the Dwarves. If you don't know that, you probably aren't listening to us anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but he also has sort of a sleazy lounge lizard persona. That's and weird. I'm not even sleazy. talking about I'm not How even like talking it? about Ralph Champagne. I'm talking about if you meet him in real life. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> about So was this like your your COVID your COVID uh, project or was this something you've been wanting to do for a long time, this Ralph Champagne character? You know, it turned out to be the COVID project, but yeah, we started it in
3: January of 2020. So I must have had a premonition or something that the world was going to fall apart, and and uh, went in and just I said, you know, I've got this backlog of songs. I think I had like 25 songs or something, and I just didn't know what to do with it, and I was finding it hard to write anything new because this stuff had just been sitting around. And so, uh, you know, I went to my friend Andy Carpenter and I said, let's just dope these songs out. Let's just see what key they're in and what, what tempo they go at and, and that. And so we did that in January and then boom, the world collapsed. And so, you know, it was, uh, I I was left with all these demos and I sat around listening to them and wondering like, what's worth overdubbing on what's worth working on. And you know, as the months kind of wore on, we realized, wow, you know, we, we've picked out the songs. We're not, not really going to be able to put a band together and play these songs. So we kind of made the record from the backwards. You know, we started with the vocal. It was just all I had was a click track and an acoustic guitar. And I sang these songs and then just real carefully tried to sing like Keeper, Finish, Killer versions of them and then when that was done we'd got rid of my horrible acoustic guitar and all you had was a click track and a vocal and i said okay let's let's hit up josh freeze and have him put drums on this and let's start working on this and from there the record kind of got built from the inside out you know starting with the vocal and it was uh it turned into this pandemic project yeah so it was very uh, the timing was fortuitous
2: so did you always write these as like country like 70s style country songs is that how they were always written
3: no i mean they were kind of written as you know just me on acoustic guitar kind of songs uh, which is horrible me on an acoustic guitar is <laughs> uh, i wouldn't wish it on anyone um yeah, I didn't know exactly what to do. I mean, some things you can kind of feel the countryness of them, and other things can kind of be presented in different ways. You know, you can do it like a pop song, you, sure, can, do sure. like yeah, yeah. Song, you can do it like a folk song. So, it, yeah, that really hadn't come into focus quite yet, but I think by the time we honed it down to the 10 tracks that were going to make the record, it had a markedly kind of outlaw country, 70s country kind of push to it, but it, there was also a few, like surprises some novelty songs some kind of 70s pop things some a, a, a few different styles kind of rear their head and then we even wound up doing a remix on one of the country songs and make it like a country trap song so <laughs> you, you you wind up getting a bunch of kind of genre variety but i guess the basis is kind of an outlaw country or americana kind of thing
2: so i have to so i have to ask so at punk rock bowling last year you did a thing in the restaurant of a hotel i think um was that the oh, ralph champagne thing or was that something different
3: yeah i mean that was that was ralph champagne um i should point out i stole the name ralph champagne from josh free is that was, aside from stealing his drumming and a lot of other things i i i actually stole that pseudonym from him and uh he was there when i did that thing at the hotel at 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 Punk Rock Bowl. I mean, that was hard. I was pretty proud of myself because that was three hours Mm -hmm. of just playing acoustic guitar, singing songs and talking shit and trying to keep it amusing. And Josh showed up with Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo was one of my idols. And he hung out the whole time. So it was really cool. You know, that was that was was a big deal.
1: You had no band at all for that.
3: I had no band. Uh, the, the Ralph Champagne record is a full band record. It's not sure. just me on acoustic guitar. But yeah, I just did me on acoustic guitar. And I, I think in a way it kind of broke me. Like I've done a number <laughs> of acoustic guitar shows over the years. But just getting ready to sing for three hours and do that and having done it, I I, I don't think I could ever do that again. So I, I got to put some kind of band together for this Ralph Champagne <laughs> thing.
2: Well, dude, that was crazy because I think we meant to go down and watch that because, like I say, it was it was the hotel that we were in. But uh, conflicted the th- it
1: with the pool party or something, didn't it? Like well, pool, well, also the
2: pool by the time we got down there, the line was so goddamn long. I mean, that place was yeah, that it pulled, was it out. Pulled
3: out, pretty yeah. big. Like it was a free show, but you had to go in and eat and whatever right. it was. It, it was interesting because I'd never played when people were eating.
2: <laughs> How'd that go? Yeah, that is weird. Oh, did we lose him?
3: Oh, the up. most killer response. For the first like forty minutes, and then everything <laughs> kind of dies down, and I'm thinking, what am I dying up here? What happened, And I realized, oh no, all these people are in a food coma now. it's the same <laughs> people, and they love the shit. they just now they're just broke, you know,
2: well, maybe they don't so, know what to expect either, you know, because you said it what you said it, three hours you said
3: three hours it was crazy. I played a ton of my kind of funny novelty Ralph champagne songs. I also played a ton of door songs uh, in ways that people aren't used to hearing them. And even did a couple covers and stuff. I'm not very big on covers, but I, you know, because I got a lot of songs, but, sure. you know.
2: Well, did, did you mean to go three hours, or was that just the the, the reception was so good that you just kept no, going? No, they
3: just made me, it was, <laughs> basically the way punk bowling works is that, you know, it's mostly shows either at the main stage or in clubs but this was at the hotel where everybody's staying. So it's more tied in with like hotels, lounge singers, three hour sets, multiple Mm. sets, blah, blah, that kind of shit. Okay. So that's why I think if I ever did it again, I, I wouldn't take that on because I've, I've done it twice. I did it once for two hours and that was hard. Three hours was just brutal. I mean, I, my hat's off to anybody that sits around and does that. I mean, I'm more of a, You know me, I'm a punk rocker. I go out and put it all into that shit. You know, the Doors have done plenty of shows that were 15 minutes and they were great. You know, it's so, you know, I don't like sitting around for three hours. I think you lose people and you lose people's direction and you don't really. I mean, I I'm not interested in playing in the background while people eat, but it was just it was a challenge. I took it on and it was it was pretty cool. And maybe out of all of that rehearsing and doing that um Yeah, came up this idea of you know making an album out of some of these songs. You know, some of which have been around for were relatively new, and some of which had been around for a couple decades. You know, so it was it was kind of important to make this Ralph Champagne record and kind of get that stuff off my plate.
1: Cool. You know, I guess we should have got up early in the morning and gone down there and waited in line because a, I bet you of the three hours, two of hours of it was probably shit talking. Or no, one hour. Like one hour, right? Like two to one. But the other thing is, I just would love to, you know, till he, when he gets to like the heart of gold, like uh, blowing in the wind part of the set. <laughs> oh, like,
3: right,
1: Breaking up, up the old folk songs. It was hard. You know, I, I had to make sure
3: that there were enough good songs that people would remember for the end. Yeah. and everything else you know i kind of at sure. the end was just doing dwarf songs to get some sing-along going and whatever you know it was uh yeah that's a hard gig man three hours but oh for fuck me sure. it's it, it, whatever whatever went into it the ralph champagne record is a real triumph and just the musicianship is amazing on here i'm really really happy with all the playing and andy carpenter is the guy who helped me do it who helped me uh you know uh, uh Create this thing, you know. Really, a great producer and multi instrumentalist and singer, and so, yeah, kind of had a partner and and started the record that way. And then it was just kind of one hot sessiony guy after another adding to it, and you know, well, a- eventually we had this record.
1: I'll tell you what, Neil. Let's slip, let's slip "Lolita Goodbye" in there because I think this is a good introduction. Because I think it actually kind of bridges the dwarves and Ralph Champagne a little bit too. So right. let's 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 insert a little bit and give people a little feel for what we're talking about here. So this is from so the record is actually in your name. You've done some solo stuff before. Introducing Ralph Champagne is the name of the record. Flag Dahlia introducing Ralph Champagne. Right? I got that right? Yeah. There you okay. go. Let's 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 so this is Lolita Goodbye.
3: I found Lolita at the Toys R Us She asked her mom to come and stay with us Before I knew it, she was doing the sheets And making me cream of wheat How can I resist her when she looks just like your sister? You got suspicious when the widow and me Were in the bedroom never watching TV I didn't mean to make you pouty and sad Acting just like your dad Now I guess we're busted Can't explain a welter thrust is That I'm
0: getting it on with your mom When you gone in the morning Getting it on with your mom In the John late at night Getting it on with your mom Baby, don't you cry Hello, mamacita I must tell
3: Lolita goodbye Young girls are sexy In a jailbait way Old ladies really got no time to play Your mom's a lady And I guess I'm the man And you're in the pram You used to be my lover Now I'm knocking on your mother
0: and I'm getting it on with your mom when you're gone in the morning Getting it on with your mom when she kisses me goodnight Getting it on with your mom, she's the one and it's paradise Hello, Mama Sita.
3: A thought just for you It's not how old you are But you're smooth I've heard these tales of how the young ones Are fresh and they're the best you can get But drama I don't wanna So I'm sticking with your mama
0: And now I'm getting it on with your mom When you're gone in the morning Getting it on with your mom Late at night, get me on with your mama, Eos, baby. Don't you cry. Hello, Mama Cita, I must tell Lolita goodbye. All
2: right, Ralph Champagne, i.e., blag, with uh, Lolita Goodbye. Now, Tom, didn't you have a question about that song?
1: Well, it's just—it it is funny because it's almost like a counter dwarf song. It's almost like a like an answer to a dwarf song or something. Right, that was the idea. it, was and like, it could I've have been a dwarf song, songs. right? Like you could speed that up and make it a dwarf song. Probably.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've written all these songs about young chicks, and yep. you know, it becomes mom. progressively creepier as the years, <laughs> went, you know, and and I, I've never stopped doing it. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny to kinda of reverse it, yeah, and go uh for the old the old women and sort of and and there's a video that goes with it that uh Joe Cardamone from the Icarus line made and he just did such a brilliant job. It's up on YouTube. I I would tell anyone to check out the Lolita goodbye video because it it's uh, it's very funny. Everybody in it was was really hilarious and <laughs> um yeah it was uh uh, another triumph you know
1: after i listened to the record for the first time i i texted neil and i said it's kind of like a a a little creepier conway twitty but then i'm like (laughs) i don't know man you listen to those old conway twitty records they're actually pretty rapey so i guess maybe (laughs) it's just like a regular conway twitty record
3: yeah maybe that should have been my pseudonym rapey twitty (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah that sells that sells
2: you can use that for next time
1: it's funny, going back to the punk rock bowling thing for one second. So we we saw you guys playing the, I don't know what they call it, the, the skinnier stage. Yeah, um, side stage. Whatever, in the yeah. middle of the day or whatever. And and I must say, and I, I am kissing your ass here a little bit, but we, we thought you stole that day. Absolutely. The Dwarves absolutely stole the show that day. Just amazing amazing show I, I was he who played in that show or was it i can't remember no there was no he who unfortunately but uh you
3: know nick oliveri was there yeah and, that's
1: right nick, uh, okay i knew you had one of your one of the old the fresh
3: prince of darkness was there our new young drummer snoopak he's great <laughs> it was really fun going going to punk bowling with him because that was how we met him 13 years ago we were doing punk bowling on the main stage and this little kid you know 12 years old is singing along with everything i brought him up on stage and had him just sing a bunch of dwarf songs and and i thought he was great and we've always been friends now he's the drummer in the band you know so it's sort of a great rock and roll origin story that starts at punk bowling and and you know
1: That's funny now you're dating his little sister (laughs) jesus christ may or may not be true
3: (laughs) (laughs) let's keep that rumor going i like that well
1: it's it's funny because you know when you guys come to the midwest yeah because i know like he who will still play la shows right or san francisco shows or does he not really play with you guys all at all live anymore you
3: know it's hard to say with him he's come in and done uh, uh, live shows over, over the years but, you know, just his whole setup and his schedule doesn't really allow it that much to, to tour. But he, he had done, a, he still plays with us pretty frequently in the Bay Area. Okay. But, uh, you know, I get, you know, he, yeah, he's got his solo group and other things he does. He wrote like a kid's, um, a kid's musical thing that he was very into and sort of various things. Um, you know, he, who is sort of a generation older than me, so he, he you know, he, he, um, the he's not who, big on touring who, and that kind of stuff the,
1: the guy who used to go full nude with the wrestling mask wrote a children's thing
3: <laughs> yes exactly he's another one i mean we're all very you know we've got our different sides to us you know
2: it's all very eclectic well,
3: i don't think i'd write a children's thing just because of what people would assume about about it but you know <laughs> well,
2: you wrote a song in spongebob didn't show something didn't i didn't i read that <laughs>
3: Salt Peter, who's the original bass player of the Dwarves, and who still plays with us too sometimes, it's sort of a revolving cabaret, like the Wu Tang Clan of pop band. But Salt Peter wrote several songs for uh, SpongeBob, including "Do the Sponge," which I sang in season one of uh, of SpongeBob.
2: So there you what, go, Tom. But you didn't know that.
1: One of the, inter- the interesting things about the dwarves actually, I think and I think they're sort of unique like this. I mean, a lot of bands sort of have a rotating cast at this point, but when they go to make a record, you sort of welcome everybody back right i mean like the last album had like at least 10 different people on it or something
3: yeah yeah i i really believe in records being these deconstructed things where you just make it as good as it can be i think for a lot of punk fans it's more the idea of like this is us you know for better or worse this is how we play you know and my take on it is like you know, I, I, Josh Freeze is out there playing with Devo and Sting and fucking. You know, he just got back you, from fighting fighters. Yeah, he's not. He he's not going to come out with, and join up the dwarves and go tour. But you know, <laughs> if, I, if I can get him on a record, it's like great. You know, then you got yeah. him playing drums we've been buddies for 25 years i mean it's like it, it's not these people are part of the band that just some of them don't really actively take part in it all the time or like with nick oliveri you know he's been in the band and played 500 shows with me but then he's also you know he's got stoner which is a group that's important to him that he does with brant from Caius and hey so they play a lot now and so you know they there's it, kind of all kinds of guys and they all do other projects even snoopak who's my my new young drummer guy he's got a speed metal band out of arizona called get a grip you know like all these guys do other gigs and i i like it that way for several reasons i mean one people who have their own band understand how hard it is to keep a band together and do things you know sometimes you get these guys that are more like you know hired guys it's like hey what about my hotel room and my blah blah and my shit it's like dude Have you ever booked a tour and you know what's going on? You know, it's like, this is, this is how it's going. This is what we can afford. This is what we're doing, you know? So I like to work with guys who kind of get that and aren't real difficult and aren't always coming in bitching about what they need, you know? Um, And so I find guys who have their own group, it, 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 you know, it's good in that way. And it's good in that they're not looking to the dwarves to to solve all their problems and be their whole life, you know? But at the same time, you know, it makes it complicated because sometimes they have other they got to go play with their own group or do something else. So it, it, it's it's always a challenge getting the schedules to work and shit. But, you know, you, you uh, I like to work with guys that are out there playing or, or women that are out there playing and, and not just looking to me to supply everything, you know.
2: Sure. So I, I'm thinking about someone like Punk Rock Bowling, a big festival like that. So do you stay and watch all the other bands and stuff? Or do you do your show and then you know, go and hang out in the hotel.
3: It, it depends. I mean, we've done punk rock bowling five or six times, and sometimes there's we'll have a gig the day before or the day after. So it's really just fly in, do yeah. your show, hang out maybe the rest of the day and see some bands and then go home. In the case of this punk bowling, I really got to have a complete view of it because I think we – I don't think I saw the Friday, but I think we played on the Saturday. Yep. I think maybe we fly, we flew in – how did it work i think maybe we flew in on the uh, yeah we flew in on the saturday and i got to see a couple bands that day but uh i got to hang out sunday because of my brunch thing and so i got to see devo which was really great with josh playing with them and you know devo live i mean it's just a remarkable group i've always admired a lot and and uh so yeah that was this last time i got to really see a lot of bands i got to see leftover crack i got to see Bands that I like and am friendly with and and uh um I saw a lot of stuff at that last punk bowling, which which was glad. Sometimes you don't get a chance, you know, yeah. depending on the schedule.
2: Well Tom was worried about kissing your ass, but um I would say and, and I'm I'll be honest, I'm I wasn't that familiar with the dwarfs at all. I have to say I'm an older English guy, right? I'm fucking pushing sixty. So um Just a pup. But, He's just a pup. Yeah, yeah. He's um, I saw you, I thought you guys were the best band of the whole weekend, of the, of the whole thing. Wow. So, which really which, which is, is amazing, level. right?
1: Because I didn't, like I said, I didn't I thought really... Devo was better, Black, but it's not, they had a lot more production value. D- which band? Diva? I, th- I, th- I said, I think Devo was my favorite, but they had more production yeah. value.
2: <laughs> See, we can, yeah. we can argue For about the- that until oh, Lekows come no, home.
3: I think we kind of stole the show. I mean, yeah, it, it you know what? The Doors are still hungry, you know, yeah. even though I'm, I'm fat. The, the Doors are still hungry, and we... You know it, we're kind of different than a lot of those bands you know a lot of those bands kind of hit their apex in the 80s or early 90s and now they're just kind of going through the motions and they get the paycheck and god bless them you know they deserve it and it's great um, but the dwarves really never got our license to live you know we never got our nod we never got our radio hit we never got our
0: mm-hmm.
3: video hit we never got some label behind us we never got a big bonanza from this or that so we're still hungry you know we still make great records we still play great shows and i think that's really the difference between us and the other old bands is that they they had their moment, and now they're just in the process of getting worse you know and I we're we, we keep pushing it and keep doing it and that's why we still make good records and play good shows you know
2: yeah, that was a good day on that side stage because I think it was you guys, and then I think it was Youth of Today either before or after because they put on we're, a killer show.
3: That day, I think, all right? That was
2: good solid. That was good solid. Fucking man. Youth, it's I I can't believe that yeah, guy's still the so active. we
3: were on that bill. We play with the yeah. Queers all the time, and they're great. You know, yeah, they you did a whole. Yeah, you did a whole
1: like your whole tour just recently.
3: Yeah, I love the Queers. I think they're brilliant. Bad Cop was on that as yeah. well. Yeah, we yep, that's the, right. We, we just did another side stage with them at, at uh, Punkin' Drublick in Denver. Great group. And, you know, mm-hmm. stacy has been a buddy of mine for a very long time. She sings on Dwarves records and stuff. So, yeah, you know, the longer you hang out, the more you see it's kind of all in the family. And, and different people just kind of favor different things. But, you know, thing it's hungry in a band that's satisfied, you know, and the Dwarves have always been kind of hungry. You know
1: well let's i'll tell you what let's throw in a dwarf song okay let's do let's do an early one and maybe we can do some later well because because i know we're going to talk a little bit about reissues here in a minute so let's do one from uh blood guts and pussy Neil. let's do uh fuck em all <laughs> okay there you go it, it'll because we're going to play another ralph champagne song i think it'd be good to kind of break it up with like some real short fast ones and then we'll play that like trucker anthem here in a little yeah, bit
3: yeah fuck, fuck em all was on a uh a record called thank heaven for little girls was oh, a record the cap- record oh my
1: gosh oh. embarrassing, okay. embarrassing. No, it's
3: they're all getting reissued and it's a great song crank it it's by S- sergeant Saul peter wrote this one
1: excellent
2: there with fuck 'em all fuck them all
1: indeed I was not thank him for a little bit. okay so all right see so, all right let's 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 touch on Ralph champagne a little bit well, a little bit more before okay. what's it no, I was here say to be- no.
2: I was I was going to go off on the off the beaten path for a second and just ask uh, Blag about Highland Park, but if you want to keep talking about Ralph Champagne, that's fine too. We can come back to that in a minute.
1: Well, you know what? We'll try to get to Chicago roots, but that might be a that might be a, a back burner. That might be Ralph Champagne's uh, sophomore album. We might have to get to that, but we'll we'll see. We'll see. Well, um, there was that horrible tragedy. That's
2: what I was going to ask about. They, yeah,
3: they 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 you know it's a suburban town in Illinois. It's where I come from, and and. Uh, I hadn't been there in ten years, and then we were playing Chicago July second. So July third, uh, on our way to Wisconsin, we drove right through Highland Park. And I said, well, this is my hometown. Let's go get some food. We stopped. we got lunch. And not twenty four hours later, on the same spot where we were standing, there's this massacre, right uh, Some guy starts firing bullets and tragedy upon tragedy, they you know, Saul Peter's dad was killed. Oh um, it, that right? it, 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 I'm I'm not joking. It was a horrible tragedy, wow. no and r- really sad for everybody. And and just it just proves we're we're disgusting in this country about about violence and guns and killing, and it, it's really that, embarrassing. It's an it's an embarrassment, and and to have my hometown now be tied in with Parkland and Uvalde and all these places that have yeah. suffered, you know, uh, um, it's it's horrible man you know it's like i, I you know
1: i didn't know it was I, that. Per- we didn't know it had a personal. no concept. i didn't, didn't I sorry. i'm sorry i'm sorry to bring it up actually, man story. i'm sorry
3: yes it was very personal and 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 you know I, I look i made one comment about it on facebook and let it go i'm not i'm not the person who sits there and drills away on this stuff but you know, as long as it came up, it's like fuck, dude. It, it's ridiculous. I don't think every asshole should have a gun. I don't think every jerk off should need a fucking hundred bullet magazine or whatever. It's just madness. It's madness. And and you know, I I, I don't get it. And I I understand violence. I understand wanting to hurt people. I want to hurt people every fucking day. That's why I don't have a gun. <laughs> yep. And to well, murder people with. And whoops. and you know, it, it's just very it makes me sick it's cowardly you know if you if you if you want to get in a fight then have your fight you know it's dumb but at least it's real it's a fight
1: yeah, yeah. at least you have to put yourself get yourself
3: firing you military you. grade weapons because they're sad and never got their dick sucked it's just pathetic it just points to a pathetic it, it's, country
1: it's funny man cuz i looked at it from a different perspective of having this was a kid who lived at home in his parents' house, and is like, this kid's parents are trying to do the best they can, and this is what their child turned into. You know, as a as a parent, I'm like, I, I don't know why. I looked at it from that angle. Like, no, they didn't do the
3: best they could. They fucked up. They, uh, uh, and I'll tell you why. because Because that kid was 20 years old, and in the state of Illinois, between the ages of 18 and 21, you can't buy that kind of military hardware unless your parents problems. sign off yes. on it. So this little fucking asshole had already had the cops to his house a dozen times, threatening people with a machete, doing all kinds of shit with his family, and then his stupid fucking father signs off on him getting a bunch of military-grade weapons, and then, and then uh, you know, a friend of mine winds up dead, kids wind up orphaned, the, you know, this is just, this is parents trying to be their kid's buddy and, and yeah. that kind of bullshit, yeah. which I don't, even either yeah sometimes It's some not, not your buddy it's your parents dude i had actual parents they weren't they weren't my best friend they tried to help me and they didn't they didn't let they didn't they didn't put military grade hardware in my hands and yeah well, it, it helped me best of luck you know i mean it's just Fucking ridiculous!
2: A lady from my work, a lady and her husband both both got killed in that too. Because I I work right up there too. I work in Meadowa, which is just a little bit to the west of Highland Park. Oh,
1: is then, that right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. that insane. You know, you know. What, one of the things I love about this podcast is we talk about whatever we want. We go wherever we want. But I definitely did not expect to. <laughs> no, I didn't. Go there, I, 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 no, I,
2: I expected to talk about port- like eighty five punk rock in Chicago and the effigies and stuff. That's what I expected <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> the,
3: if we advocate i don't think we advocate violence but i think we're like an id driven band so that's one of the things we scream about right if you're just an id driven band you know we scream about sex we scream about violence it's not like we're saying we're in favor of this it's not like i wrote an essay saying i think violence is good go do it you know but it's like there's violence behind the music i I get all that you know but then like in real life yeah you know i have plenty of opinions about how america should go and some of it's very what would they would now call woke yeah and some of it is very what they would now call conservative to me it it largely breaks down to like common sense
2: that's exactly because our podcast man it's common uh, sense uh, yeah
3: let's exactly. let's on the one hand let's not pretend that there's no such thing as gender you know i i know what oh you're canceled is, you're canceled you know? <laughs> At, at the same time, let's not shit on people who have some gender issue and want need to express it a different way. They're humans too. Let's let them do what they're doing and Try and be respectful of them. I feel the same way about violence and guns. It's like, look, I'm not a gun guy. It's not my thing. But people, some people love guns. You know, they're, they're into it. They want their gun. Okay, I get it. And some people got to hunt and some people got to defend themselves. I, I get it all. It's just like this idea that we're all our own mini army with military-grade weapons and shit. I mean, what's next? Do we all have a right to bear napalm? (laughs) do we all have a right to bear you know a nuclear bomb do i have a right to have that because otherwise some dude in mississippi is going to feel like his constitutional rights are infringed on because i can't have a nuclear bomb in my house you know i mean it's just like at a certain point common sense needs to take over and it has to be like gee we don't want to have a society where seven people get massacred in 30 seconds
2: yep agreed 100 percent
3: that's my yeah take. we are definitely, I, mean, I, I it's straight common sense when conservatives come at me with like a bunch of bullshit, i, I look at them and say well you guys are supposed to be the common sense people
1: yep. yeah that's there's what no, it used to no be, com- right you guys were no common-, common sense people there's no common sense in mainstream politics it's it's all about winning their small battles no it's it, dude that's totally us and and we do get a lot of stuff it's like if you criticize joe biden they're like oh you must love trump no that's not it at all. But you can call it you know, you can criticize the powers that be. As a matter of fact, if you're a punk rocker, your job is to criticize, not to support politicians. Screw support politicians. You know, they don't deserve to be supported. They're dogs, they deserve to be whipped. <laughs> but yeah, Eddie, I'm, so- I have a little bit of sympathy with that and certainly like
3: it, it's it's a hard situation because the dwarves is a specifically a political band. Sure. So even even if we were in the middle of a fascist takeover of the United States, I don't know that I would talk about it in dwarves music. But I certainly can talk about it as a human being. Sure.
1: And that it Ralph appears- Champagne guy might get quite political. Who knows? <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, it's, you know. it's funny, and, and, and this is definitely something I did want to get into with you a little bit, because I think in general, you know, I used to listen, you had a podcast for a number of years that I really enjoyed, it was called Radio Like You Want, I think it was called, sure. and you had yeah. kind of a straight man partner, it was mostly music, but you guys talked, but it's funny, because politically I think you're probably, a you know, kind of a classic liberal politically, but the fact of yeah. the matter is, I love that you go after some of these Soft modern liberals in your music to me the whole like take back take back the night album was just you sort of sticking your finger in the chest of the people who would cancel you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean even Joe Greer doesn't dare do that. Specifically, the song "City by the Bay."
3: City by the Bay. Yep. With, even the with,
1: take back the night. Right? Even the yeah.
3: The- I mean, it's very like um, uh, yeah. I of course because I see a lot of people. Uh, you know, there's an old, there's an old adage about liberals, right? Which is that a liberal is someone who won't take their own side in an argument. (laughs) And and, and a lot of times I get upset with my fellow liberals or progressives because we're so good at criticizing each other and what we don't like about each other. And, and, you know, Bill Maher will come out or, or Sam Harris, and they'll talk about the excesses of the left and how ridiculous this, this or that woke thing is. But Sometimes they forget to come back around and mention, incidentally, you know, the Republican Party is a fascist party that's not interested in, in, in democracy anymore. Which to me is a pretty important point and kind of outweighs things like, oh, you're so PC and you're worried about pronouns. It's like, okay, I'm not into the PC worried about pronoun shit and I'll make fun of that. But that doesn't bother me quite as much as we're trying to steal the election now because we feel like it's only legitimate if we win. I mean, to well, me, that's like the, the Republican Party has now reached a point where you can't really do the false equivalency anymore and you can't really say, oh, yeah, there's bad shit on both sides and all politicians are fucked up or this or that. It's like, well, no, we do have one party that is now aggressively pushing toward fascism. Well, <laughs> and, the- so, and, and so for me, like, I'll come out and say that. I'm not afraid to say it is specifically the Republican Party, which is now in the position of trying to steal. So this has nothing to do with like how you feel about deficit spending or how you feel about this or that issue. It has to do with like, oh, shit, 70 percent of Americans think we should be able to have abortions, but somehow we don't have them anymore. You know, that's, that's what fascists do. That's the definition of what fascists do. They take popular will and say, fuck popular will. We don't care about it. We just want to win and we want our way. And that's that's really what conservatism has become. So anybody who's clinging to an old conservative idea and wants to tell me about Ronald Reagan and Jack Kemp, no, suck a dick. Your, your party now is a fascist party. Face it, deal with it, change it, or get out of it. You know, that's that's what you yeah. have to do. And to anybody who says, OK, now I'm just kissing the Democrats ass or Joe Biden's ass. I, I didn't mention him in that whole diatribe I'm talking specifically to Republicans. You are a fascist party. Deal with it. Change it. Don't
1: yeah. do it anymore.
2: We need a We need we need a third party, basically, is what we need.
1: We need no parties. No we need parties. Need, we we need parties.
2: Anarchy and peace. Tom Crass. Well, no,
1: we, do, we just don't. <laughs> people need to be voted on by their own merit, not by their. The problem is the, the real problem is you got people who are religious to their parties, and before they are their constituents, right. as far as politicians go. Plus, I'm sorry, the political parties are cults. They worship at the throne. If you if you were a adamant member of either of the political parties, you're worshiping in a political cult. That's all there's to it. I won't do it. It, but, look, it would
3: be great if we didn't have political parties. They're not in the constitution and we don't need them. At the same time, you gotta be kinda real. We've had political parties since, you know, our yeah. Election of, of you know, Adams versus Jefferson and whatever it was, 1796. Well, I'm going so, back to the Whigs. I'm going back to the yeah. Whigs party. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we don't seem able to get away from political parties, so assuming they have to exist, it, I think it would be better if we had a, at least one working-class party. There used to be, the Democrats used to be that working-class yes. party, but they really can't make that argument anymore. So Well, they're all rich. Me, if oh, we had all, a working-class party... All the party members
1: are rich. Yeah. <laughs> They don't right. have any idea yeah. what's going on with the rest of us. You think the president right. knows how much gas costs? He doesn't have any idea.
3: Right. So that's that's a problem. I do think we need a working class party. And I think the Democrats have failed us on that. But, you know, again, I don't know how much people are interested in my political opinions. I'll, I'll talk about it all day. I don't really talk about it in my music because I, I specifically made a decision to be apolitical in – it, in my music but i think in my life i'm allowed to say whatever the fuck i want and i know, you know
2: and you're allowed you're to say whatever the fuck stuff. you want on this podcast
1: right yeah fuck yeah and you know and it's and it's it is it is strange right because like do you have a lot of the especially being in san francisco do you have a lot of the canceled people coming after you or are they pretty much giving up on the dwarves are you guys like a lost cause you know
3: I think there's a number of things. One, we're not that well known. Two, we're pretty old. So that kind of you know brings you know people aren't going this is the new thing and we need to fight this. Dude,
2: but old old and white though. That everybody hates us. Old white yeah, guys.
1: And I think <laughs> and straight
3: where I've been a little safeguarded is that I put my cards on the table in my band i never claimed to be a nice guy or a good guy i True never enough. said i wasn't trying to fuck everybody i said <laughs> i was trying to fuck everybody i never said that i wasn't getting all fucked up i said i was getting all fucked up so <laughs> how are you going to attack me what are you going to cancel you're gonna to have to cancel every single thing i ever did you know but but it's interesting because my band's been getting canceled since before that was a thing. We've been getting canceled since the mid eighties. I've been getting left off compilation records on labels. I was in left out of festivals that, you know, I should have been invited to, you know, left out of radio programs that I should have gotten played on. You know, I've been getting canceled all along just for having these sexual themes and violent themes. So I know exactly what it feels like. And when I see people getting canceled now, I, I sympathize with them and I understand where they're coming from, but there's also a little part of me that says, Hey, welcome to my world, asshole. I've been getting canceled every fucking day for 40 years. So, how do you like it? You know, I mean, and it, it's kind of like, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, I think they couldn't really cancel me also because, <laughs> you know, just the way I was sexually was different than a lot of guys in rock bands. I admitted I wanted to fuck people. I went out and fucked people. If I wound up in a hotel room with some weird girl that was coming on to me, but then all of a sudden decided she didn't want to fuck, I didn't get mad. I, I just said, okay, I'll see you later. You know. I mean, I was different than that. You hear about these guys who get these stories. They're always pushing women that didn't want to sleep with them or pressuring people or fucking yeah. pushing them. It's like my ego just doesn't work that way. If some girl doesn't want to fuck me, then I don't want to fuck her.
1: It's just easy. But you these know, guys I don't. Also set themselves up as being so self righteous. I mean, dude, you see singers now, right. bands like apologizing for using their being in a band to get laid. It's like, dude, that's why most guys that's were bands so when they were younger. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's why
3: I got in a band to get pussy, and I don't, I don't apologize for it. I never apologize for it. I never apologize for singing about sex. And I think that's part of what's kept us from getting canceled is that people said, "Well, fuck," you know, this, these guys come pre-canceled, you know i business, guess you know but it, yeah it probably cost you money over the years but i i mean at least yeah. you have
1: that the, the it standards.
3: cost a lot of money and attention absolutely when when the grunge thing happened and every you know there were i think 12 bands signed to sub pop 11 of them got major label deals and then there was me you know we went to epitaph everybody was getting played on k-rock i had a k-rock hit fucking everybody's girl should have been a k-rock hit but oh, absolutely uh, but, you it. know yeah. You know, it's like, that's how this shit goes. I've been getting left out of everything all along and the dwarves have been getting left out of shit all along, you know, and so I've stuck to my guns and, and, uh, uh, I made the art that I felt needed to be made and didn't worry about how popular it was, but it hurt, man. I mean, it was hard. It was hard going through the nineties and every other day watching somebody of mine be a millionaire and get a big record deal. And be on mtv and have some big shit, and then i you know i couldn't get anything you know that was well it wasn't easy you know but it, you know the everything comes comes around in the end you know a lot of those people who did just safer kind of music and and went along you know they're kind of wondering hey where's all where'd my roadies go where'd my major label deal go where did my all my shit go and i'm sitting here going Fuck that! I never expected any of that. I never got any of that, and I just I just keep making great music and sticking to my guns. You know, I make mean, I make a great a great dwarves record every couple years. I'm now making cool solo records, and it's like I'll never quit because I don't need anybody to pat me on the head and tell me I'm a good boy.
1: You're absolutely right. Like, who's making a record as good as Take Back the Night 35 years in their career? Nobody that I can think of, as far as oh, like but- your your uh, sort of people from that area can we i'll tell you what you mind if we play something off topic you want to play that city by the bay yeah absolutely let's let's play it now it's great it's 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 the city that blag clearly loves but he's also sort of taking them to task. it's a good (laughs) good good fun fun song and this is from take back tonight it's called city by the bay
2: city by the bay and that was off there uh that was off that was a 2019 album was that was that
1: 2019 uh, right. 2018 2018 it came out, yeah okay. so so it's actually about time for another full-length doors record isn't it
3: well that's where the really good news comes in man we went in the studio in february and recorded 25 songs in two wow. days wow we fucking killed it like an old school rock and roll record we just went in there and busted it out song after song after song you know fresh prince of darkness came in with three four songs nick oliveri came in with three four songs josh freeze came in with a song you know salt peter the old bass player of the doors he came in we just all you know andy carpenter is my production partner he came in with songs and it just everybody came in with this wealth of material and we just rehearsed it for a week or two and then just went in and killed it in the studio and and You know, now, of course, I've been sitting around overdubbing and finger fucking and going crazy on it. But the (laughs) the basis of the record is very much a punk rock classic record, you know, so I just couldn't be happier, you know.
1: Are you sort of sort of uh, so you're still trying to finish it. And then, of course, you're probably going to be sort of trapped in whatever's going on with the record pressing issue or whatever so you don't you have any idea yeah. what we're we talking about next year i assume at this. Point? yeah
3: i mean i'm hoping to finish it this year well i know that we'll finish it this year and then it'll probably take a year to come out after that it just takes forever to get vinyl crazy, right? pressed. right now do you
1: yeah. know who you're gonna put it out with yet or is that sort of up in the air still
3: well i always do Dwarves records on my label greedy and then it's distributed by mvd who's who's done a good job for me getting my stuff around and and uh um, you know, with Dwarves Records, I kind of know where they're going to go. You know, with with with, you know, and I like putting it on my own label. I don't want. I know other people can't stand the heat. They don't want to be responsible for ah. my lyrics and my art and my shit. But um, for for Ralph Champagne, I kind of was hoping that some more Americana label or some more uh, mainstream thing would pick up on it, but. You know, that maybe that'll happen with the next one. It, it's hard to say. I, I have really mixed feelings about that because I always finance my own records and do it myself. I don't like anybody telling me that I have to that I'm done now. You know, I, I'll tell you when I'm done. Sure.
1: So, uh, well, so when you uh when you were doing the uh well, you, oh man, I lost my train of thought. Damn it! Lost my train of thought. I hate that's what, the it worst did. thing about getting old, isn't it? Lose your train of thought. So that you just make, erections, I would say, is the worst. <laughs> Let's say I'm sorry. Say again. <laughs>
2: Something to do with erections, Tom. Something to do with erections. Oh, I lost my Losing nose I lost my too. Mind.
1: train of thought yeah. and erections. So yeah. you do you think that. Do you take the Ralph Champagne thing on the road, do you think? I mean, is that something you're going to try to tour a little bit, put
3: a band that's together? That's a great question. I mean, I would love to, uh, but there isn't any existing band for it. Uh, it was very much made in a session way, so I'd have to put together a band. And that's kind of daunting, you know? I mean, it's a lot of work just keeping the dwarves going. So when you're my age trying to start a new band and go, let's go out and play, you know, is 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 kind of daunting. So what I did instead was make... Videos. So there'll be several more videos. Get hmm. a video coming out uh, for the song "Your Girlfriend" from this Ralph Champagne record, and that uh, I did uh, with Nick Oliveri, my good buddy. Um, so that'll be funny. You know, it's a funny video with he and I, and um, and then the contraband, which you guys are going to be playing later, which is the uh, kind of the trucker epic song, um, convoy. That- we're actually, yeah, it's kind of based on Convoy and we're doing it as an animated video, which this great animation team from the Ukraine, the Mad Twins, is uh, in the process of making. They've sent me this sort of rough uh, cut of it and uh, it's going to be really great. You know, it's it's there's lots of, you know, truck truck chases and gunfights and cops and robbers and crazy shit. So it, it, we couldn't really do it as a live uh, a live action thing but as an animated thing i think it's going to be very funny so that's uh you keep your eye out for that sometime around december we'll have a uh, uh, an animated video for a contraband and uh, i think that's going to be you, fun you
1: mentioned your girlfriend that was another one that i think could pretty easily be translated to dwarves land it's definitely right. kind of a yeah. common common dwarves type, type of thing so yeah it, it, it's funny because you know a lot of the like pop punk guys from the 90s right they're doing like the Americana, alt country thing, right? And they do like the real gritty acoustic guitar, rough voice, you know, songs yep. about whiskey and wearing flannel shirts and stuff. <laughs> it's funny because you've kind of gone a different direction. You definitely, to me, like I said, I, I made like the Conway Twitty. It's got sort of a, uh, that 70s heavy produced kind of Nashville. Yeah, it's sound.
3: loungier, it's poppier. It's really not designed to be like, hey, I'm a tough country guy. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't want to pretend about that and I don't, th- I think country people can smell that a mile away. You know, I felt comfortable doing a trucker song because I've spent so much of my life on the road. You know, I've, I've put in more miles than most truckers that will ever dream of. So, you know, it's like, you know, I was, I, I felt comfortable doing that. I feel comfortable. Like, you know, I have a song on there called, uh, don't tread on me, which kind of comes off feeling a little libertarian and kind of Mm -hmm. kind of uh you know maga ish you know but uh, (laughs) but if you really look at it it's not it's not that at all you know it's just basically the good old american concept of you know leave me alone and if you're going to talk to me just be polite right
1: i get i get the feeling you know it's it's a weird kind of counterpoint right because i do feel like you're sort of taking the piss out of these songs to a certain extent but also i do feel like you do have a certain amount of true respect for the type of music i mean you used to play those kind of songs when you were doing the the music heavy podcast so i know you do like that kind of music but oh yeah you have to love it wink and a nod right
3: you have to love it to do it well i mean i didn't want to be somebody who was like joking about country shit or being like ain't this all funny you guys are all so stupid you know it's like (laughs) no they're not they're not stupid and they make brilliant music and they're cool i i don't a lot of the politics that goes with country music is dumb and conservative to me, but that's fine. They they can have their opinion, you know, but it, to me, like, um, I'm a music guy, and I like old stuff, so to me, it kind of starts with the records of the 20s and 30s when the recording industry kind of started and hit its stride, and that is, you know, the earliest country recordings with guys like Bill Monroe and, and you know, uh, uh, you know, the... the the carter family and people like that so the you know country is very important and then the whole blues side of it your charlie Patton's and your son houses and you guys like that that whole side of it's very important and then the pop side of it's very important to me too the whole like you know sort of al jolson singing a pop song and and that whole you know i i i uh, i just love music i'm very much a music guy which you wouldn't you don't really get from the dwarves you would assume with the dwarves, and I'm just a guy that doesn't really give a fuck about music, but is a punk, and here's my punk shit. But really, the, the, the whole thing is grounded in 20th century American music of every kind, you know, country and folk and, and blues and pop and just the whole, the whole gamut, you know. So Ralph Champagne was really an attempt to bring out some of those kind of genres that you can't really do with the dwarves because it has to kind of be rock and roll and forward from there.
2: But it's, well, but, but it's interesting because you did it, but you did it with your own twist. So the even though the music is like that, the lyrics are still dirty and about fucking your girlfriend's mom or whatever, right? So, right.
3: Um, yeah, you never want to be a dick biter. You know, you want to always do something original. Uh, I never wanted to go out and like, here, now I'm going to sing a Johnny Cash song. It's like, right. no, Johnny Cash already sang his songs just fine. Nobody needs me singing one. You know it's just that's not important but what is important is like oh you know can you make a record that's interesting to people who like country music and also interesting to people who don't you know and can and can you you know run run these things like can you have an image that's funny and interesting and unique but not some phony like here's my flannel shirt you know it's like i you know i got to be true to who i am while i'm doing this shit you know
1: yeah with a smoking jacket in well, it, it's funny though <laughs> i think they are actually, actually selling the doors a little bit short and there was a certain you know like the doors invented rock and roll that was obviously like your love letter to rock and roll and i actually think the last few doors have been very very musical i mean something like doors invented rock and roll it only vaguely sounds like something like blood guts and pussy you know what i mean it's it's much more yeah they're much more musical records
3: yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. There, there, and and you know, in some ways you gain, and in some ways you lose from that. I mean, if you if you heard Blood Guts and Pussy, what really struck you about it was just how there is no pop in it, and it's it was just a violent so violent, man.
1: It was a violent record.
3: It sounds so sincere, and it's so much coming to the heart, and it's so much young people just full of piss and vinegar. But you know, I'm. If I attempted to remake that record over and over again, it wouldn't be interesting anymore, and it would just kind of dilute the original and make a series of not-as-good versions, which is what I think most punk bands do with their recordings. A lot of punk bands are still good live, but their records just suck dick, because all they're trying to do is make the same record that was good 30 years ago and it's like well you can't do that you have now to they're
1: 60 years 60 years old and they're trying to make the record they made when they were 25
3: yeah yeah so like with invent you know but but then the other question is well do you do do you become something like the goo goo dolls or if you look at the goo goo dolls <laughs> there's there's a very straight line there where it's like on the first record it's like we just want to be the replacements can we please just be the replacements you know and then every record after that is more and more like Hey, you know, do the suits in the front room at Capitol Records like this, or whatever it was, whatever label they were? You know, I mean, like every, they were a really good example of that thing that bands do, where it's like you start out with a little bit of piss and vinegar, and then it, it, it progressively you just get rid of every inch of it, you know, until there's nothing left. I mean, I think if you go and you listen, the through line between blood guts and invented rock and roll, in other words, is that it always sounds aggressive and it always sounds like we're pushing it. And it never sounds like we're just kind of falling asleep with it, but you're right. It is more musical and there are more harmonies and there are more, you know, uh, um, uh, percussive and tempo changes. And there are more all of all of these elements, you know, that, that, uh, um, whereas blood guts, I mean, you know, blood guts was so straightforward, it just had some wild sound effects on it that people weren't used to hearing on records at that point but aside from that it was like you know
1: very straight minutes of 15 minutes of bashing you know just
3: yeah. yeah so you know and i and again like i think a lot of bands kind of turn their back on the old shit but i don't i love blood guts and pussy i think it's great i still play it live and you know uh um i have a great fondness for it you know and again a lot of this stuff comes from just how things happened for you. You know, if you if 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 you made Abbey Road and ten million people bought it, then you might conceivably go, Oh, I'm kinda of bored with Abbey Road. I don't really want to play that stuff and every everybody's heard it and but you know, okay, great. But if you're me, it's like <laughs> I never had a good selling record. I never had a radio hit. I, I never had anything. So it's like, yeah, man, Blood Cuts and Pussy is great. I stand by it hundred percent. And young and good looking. It's great. I stand by it. You know, I stand by all the, all these records. I think I think they were good records, and I'll keep playing them and doing them. You know, like if I ever make something that's so famous that it gets played out, okay. You know, but it's like at this point, it's like I, I stand behind all the Dwarves records, including the ones I started making when I was 17, 18 years old. You know, stuff like Lick It, where Lick It is a compilation of a lot of old '60s covers we did and our earliest releases and shit. And it's like fuck, i I'll, I'll stand behind that too.
1: You know, well, you're still waiting for your appetite for destruction. But I'll tell you what, I think this <laughs> song has a chance of being a number one with a bullet. you know, let's play the let's play <laughs> another Ralph Champagne. Let's play another Ralph Champagne song. Let's play Contraband. This is a classic uh, country song in the like trucker tradition, the convoy tradition.
2: All right, you it. Ralph Champagne, Contraband. <laughs>
3: Out of trucking school in green behind the ears, stopped in an old hamburger dance to slam a couple beers. When a geezer sidled up beside me asking for a smoke, said, "Son, I'll offer fifteen large for driving. That's no joke." Now I try to make it honest buck, but money is my weakness My ears perk like a jockey boy, two lengths from winning preakness I said 15 grand for moving freight, there's got to be a catch He smiled just like a rattlesnake and blowing out his match He told me, son, you'll need your gun Cause what we're towing, we ain't showing to anyone Flush that transmission, we're on a mission So pull your truck on up and I'll get busy hitching
0: we're hauling contraband all across the land Smoking like a low of catches if you care We're hauling contraband out on a five-night stand
3: Accept your late night offer on behalf of folks like me so poor sometimes we cry to keep from laughing and you don't need to say exactly what it is you're loading just thank the lord my bulldog's running 18 wheels and rolling Now there's me and Zeke and Hank and Paco, Curtis and Habib We drive and ship's Pop fiber in and never watch our speed The interstate's a dirty place and lizards stalk the backlots When I hear that devil's voice I know just where I put my hand cocky. He said, son, let's get her done 100 miles and running hard up 101 Dual clutch transmission and tires hissing Humping independent freight till late, no fidget we're hauling
0: contraband all across the land Smoking like a locomotive, catch us if you can We're hauling contraband out on a 5 night stand been Running out of the ease of fuel and running from command Tallahassee, Jackson, that's all the rush Springfield, Algernon, East and too We've been rolling for a week
3: and no one stopped to take a lead Beware wear the heat, cause man, we're hauling Sirens blasting in the rear view, yeah, it's true But if you can't see my mirrors, Johnny Law, I can't see you Bullets whizzing by the cab while alligators chew the axles A thermos full of coffee, 20 reds, and 13 paxels Smokey, rifles high like Annie Oakley Diesel fumes about to choke us But no lawman ever broke us We're all in and we're hauling Hearing Angel Gabriel calling D.O.T. and I.C.C. behind us Eighteen wheels and falling They said, son, you'll have your fun Just like a pirate on the road to old Zion You must beware well, Round every bend. From Chattanooga straight on through the bitter end But until then
0: we're all in culture all across the land Smoking like a house on fire Catch us if you can't
2: you heard it here first that was contraband by uh, ralph
1: champagne oh neil's pulling out his dj voice <laughs> yeah.
3: there
1: you go so see so album
3: so if you're looking for it the album is actually by black dahlia but it's called introducing ralph champagne yeah. so that might get a little confusing but basically you know if you you should be able to find it um, i pulled it right up on re- spotify but yeah
1: yeah um, so, okay, so real quick, the Dwarves reissues. So the Sub Pop ones, like Blood Guts and Pussy never went out of print, right? But I think the other two have over the years.
3: Yes, that's right.
1: So who's uh, doing the reissues? Is Sub Pop doing them or are you, you doing them yourself or where are the, um, the reissues no, coming no. from?
3: No, Sub Pop can suck my dick forever.
2: <laughs> you heard sub-pop. it here first.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like them. I don't care about them and I don't pretend what? to
1: and you didn't you know you didn't belong on there honestly because they they were such a like artsy pretentious label and you guys were so I <laughs> potatoes you know it was a weird fit like i wonder whose idea i don't know whose idea it was to sign you guys but it was well, a i don't want to go in
3: too much to them i mean they you know they were happening at the time and had they helped us at all that would have been nice you know but it, it, you know my my complaints are not about what happened in 1989 it's about what happened subsequently it's about the way they defrauded me and fucked me over in various ways you know like but ultimately you know the good news is we we uh we have those records back i don't need them i don't owe them shit they can suck my dick and and you know the records are back and they've been remastered and you know new tracks added so you know if you when you go by this blood guts sounds great it's got the the original cool artwork that you like but then when you open it up there's an additional three songs you know that were on seven inches and cds that weren't on the original vinyl and there's also uh you know the cover you know the inside sleeves have stuff like the cover of the seven inch of drugstore or the picture disc of blood guts so there's lots of new artwork and, and and just everything's better about these reissues you know if you like the originals you're going to like the reissues better it's just more of the same and and you know we 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 reissued blood Gust, but also you know and that that's going to be out in uh in november but then thank heaven and sugar fix which have been out of print for the better part of 20 years are going to be back um uh or 25 years maybe they've been out of print and and so that you next know
1: year, is that next year is that the end of this year when, when are we looking at that the end, funny, of, this yeah,
3: okay, the end of this year yeah the end of this year all those records will be back and then come clean that epitaph that's ha- the one
1: that's the other one I've been waiting on for violence. that's
3: yeah. coming out in January with an extra track and it looks great and and then um uh radio free doors which was a lot of live stuff we did in Europe um that's being expanded and reissued so really yeah it's a big it's a big year, you know, it's like the Ralph Champagne stuff and the book stuff is like my solo stuff that I'm pushing now. Yep. But within a few months, it's going to be these Dwarves reissues, and then this time next year, it's going to be New Dwarves Records. So, yeah, you know, we haven't been sleeping. We did a lot of shit, and I think people are going to dig it.
1: It's funny because I have a CD that has both Sugar Fix and Thank Heaven for Little Girls on it, but that's the only thing I've been able to find that – Format-wise, I've got all the rest of on vinyl except for Come Clean, so I'm looking forward to looking forward to grabbing that on vinyl too. Now, are you doing that one too? Are you doing all these yeah. yourself, or is yeah
3: doing all the reissues? Um, you know, Epitaph has a lot been a lot kinder to me over the years, both with money and and just being cool and letting us reprint stuff. Sure, you know, soapop Pop just could not take their hand out of my pocket ever. Everything. <laughs> Just stealing my money period right to the bitter end they still got to you know,
1: pay courtney love they dude they still got to pay courtney <laughs> love all that money they can't afford to pay you too <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah exactly so you know we uh but yeah come clean is also coming back so really you know i i got all, all the dwarves records under my umbrella and that's a wonderful thing and and feeling good about the group man i think i got a great bunch of guys and you know salt peter's coming back playing a lot and and uh you know I think nick oliveri is going to be around a lot more of this this year stoner played so much last year that i think he'll be around and you know of course fresh prince of darkness and snoop Hock and all the different army of guys that have make this band so great you know they, they're all coming back
1: so. nick's, had a wild, nick's had a wild career neil you should look him up sometime nick oliveri man he's he's actually he's probably had a couple of hits right i think he played on a couple of those queens of the stone age records that were kind of big his yeah, especially in Europe.
3: I mean, I think they were always much bigger in Europe and Australia and that type of thing than they were here. But they, yeah, I mean, Nick's a rock star and he deserves it. He's just a brilliant, brilliant guy, you know. And he, he uh, he's a great player, great singer, great performer, and and just the, the ultimate rock and roll guy. I mean, ultimately, I you know. I I I am very you know balls to the wall, trying to make some great records, play some great shows, make some great art, you know. But Nick I, really lives it. He just lives rock and roll. He's he's the real deal. You, you know, he's he's so much realer than I am. There's no comparison. Hey, you know? hey, he's hey, road, man. hey Tom, he's you want to
2: you, you want to know what one of his links to a, to one of our other interviews was? So uh. he was in the River City Rapists with Doug Evans from the Digits
1: oh is that right yeah okay. so that's a bla- that's a that's a dwarf song an old dwarf song river
3: city river city yeah well nick wrote river city rapists and sang it that was okay. the first dwarf song he ever sang which was on come clean and and that was after he'd come back from baltimore and had been uh playing with that group so that it was oh, uh huh. it, the, yeah there's a tie in there and the tie in with the digits of course is that we the first month that Gilman street opened in Berkeley, we played there with the digits. Nobody had ever heard of either of us. And, uh, you know, now they, now they won't let's play at Gilman anymore. Right. <laughs> hey, who
2: knows? Who knows? But we no. got
3: to come back around 2012, I think something like that and play there. We had been banned there for the better part of 20 years. Cause I, I beat somebody up there once who was bothering <laughs> me. He, he wouldn't leave me alone. He was some kind of PC guy. And he kept following me around and talking to me about, about political shit, whatever it was. I was like, dude, you're really, you're pushing it. Just, okay, you had your say. Let's just be done now. And he, he just wouldn't stop. You know, he was just determined to harangue me all night, and I just laid him out. And yeah. then it was like, well, fuck you. You can't play at Gilman anymore. I was like, well, shit, dude. If it, playing here means I got to be followed around all night and harassed. Then I'm not
1: going to do it. Okay, fine. But, you See, know. I, I, I figured they wouldn't let you play because you're so controversial at this point because it seems like the place is run by a bunch of, bunch <laughs> of like, scary like, You know, kids. I mean. And it's
3: funny because when Gilman started, I was all in favor of it and very big on it because I said that kids should be able to go to rock shows. It shouldn't all be over 21. Sure. My band was like, fuck this. Why are we going to a bunch of stupid high school kids and you can't drink here and we don't yeah, like go, And go I was like, the band. <laughs> yeah, I was like, go drink in the van, man. This is fucking this place is important. We should be playing here. Well, <laughs> nobody at Gilman actually gave me any credit for, for being a fan of theirs and liking their shit. It was more like, yeah, like you said, they kind of felt more like we didn't fit in with the PC thing, you know. But we played a lot of shows there, and they were very cool to us over the years. But, yeah, the, the um, I'd like to go back there again. What, what I think would be funny to do would be to go to Gilman and then, like, pull up in a limo with a bunch of, like, armed guards and <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of strippers, strippers, strippers yeah, yeah, strippers, and go in there, you know,
1: snort coke on stage and whatever, you know. I don't well, know. It's it's funny. I'll tell you what. Well, I, I I hope we can do this again sometime because I actually have a have a lot more questions, but I'm going to let you go because you know it's it's uh, Taco Tuesday. But <laughs> what, the the, uh, what the fuck does that mean? Good <laughs> question. So, um, you you said you were, you're proud of all the old Doors records, and and I I think there was a point. You know, I, I don't really know the super early stuff there was a point around blood guts and pussy where it seemed like you kind of had a shift in tone and attitude and you've kind of been following that path i think since but you if you if you one, you got one album you stand by you live and die by what's your what's the thing that you've done that you're most proud of
3: you know for me with the dwarves there's really three it's 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 blood guts because it's just the ultimate fuck you punk album Sure. An amazing iconic cover and then it, young and good looking because it really kind of defines a cooler version of that whole pop punk 90's era okay. and, it, and has that very iconic skateboard girl cover yep. the other one which doesn't get much attention it, um, it was really not one of our most popular records was The Dwarves Must Die mm. which I think this is really the high point of production with me I never produced a record that was that amazing and and it's just so well-produced and so loud and Eric Valentine was with me every step of the way on that and it's full guests you know from you know rappers like San Quinn to indie rock guys like Nash from Urge Overkill to like local Bay Area DJ guys and just it's such an expansive you know kind of explosion of every version of rock and roll you could have I, I think it's I think must die you know, so to me, like really those are the three most important dwarves mm-hmm. records, but honestly, you know, and people always say this, but I feel like Ralph Champagne is a whole new lease on life. I'm in my mid fifties and I think I made the best record of my life. It's the most listenable record and the most kind of accessible record. And yet it's not in any way, a a, a sellout or a back off. And so, you know, really it, it's, uh, I feel very positively about right now you know I feel like this is just a a, a really strong record and I feel like you know I've, I've made a bunch of pretty powerful records and I had a lot of help man from my friends from from guys like Eric Valentine and and Andy Carpenter that produced so brilliantly and then from guys like Josh Fries and and Vaj Moore and every drummer I ever had that you know just gave it gave it what they had and, and you know just all these guys you know I, I I really couldn't have done it without them they're all great songwriters you know a lot of people think I wrote all the songs I wrote a lot of songs but the dwarves are just full of songwriters there's not one guy in there who doesn't play or who doesn't write you know so it's very it's just really a, a gratifying man you know when you get old and you and you can have great friends and and great musicians around you you know i I feel i feel lucky given given how fucked over i've been by the industry i feel like i got really lucky i just got lucky to have the career that i got to have you know really really stoked
2: well talking about the industry a second talking about the industry a second so is it easier now to get it to get your music out with like the internet and stuff or was it was it do you think it was better back in the day with the big record labels and shit
3: I think for an individual, it is easier today. And so it's more open. Um, but what we lost was that gatekeeper aspect, not just of the labels getting to say who gets to play, but really the gatekeeper aspect of the audience. If you came up when I came up, you had to come up through the clubs. Yep. You didn't have any choice. You, you didn't you know now people are like, well, I just like to sit home and smoke pot and sit with my girlfriend. And here's what we did sitting here in my room. You know what do you think? And it's like, okay, that person has a much better chance of being successful now than than in the past. It just nobody would have known their shit. They would have been doing it in their room, and that would have been the end of it. Yep. If you came from the era that I did, you really had to work your way up in the clubs. And what that did was it 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 forced you to please audiences and figure out what people liked and didn't. And it figured out what was important to you and what wasn't. You know, now if you can just sit around making your own home project all day, jacking off and you're not in front of anybody, it's a lot harder to come out with something good that people are going to like, you know, for every needle in a haystack, weird individual that, you know, the internet is the whole reason they have a career and a life. Okay, great. There's another thousand people doing the same thing who, It didn't go anywhere for you know so i think like it's it's gotten better in some ways you know you get rid of the gatekeepers you get rid of the people from labels getting to tell everybody what they're supposed to like and you get rid of the people in the nightclubs who maybe only like people who are cute or have the right outfit on whatever okay we got rid of those gatekeepers but when you get rid of the gatekeepers you get a lot of crap and it's almost true to see what's good you know most punk bands really suck now most pop artists really suck now most of any given genre really sucks now in a way that it didn't in the past because you don't have to run that gauntlet of an audience anymore so
2: who were a couple of new punk bands that you like or that you think people should listen to
3: oh i never i never recommend anything i okay. don't know That's fair if enough. i heard something and i liked it i would say yeah this is great but i I'd just be pushing my friends, you know, whatever it is. I'll push one for you. I got—I I did a duet with this this girl, uh, Mad Lucas, from a band called The 666. Uh, and uh, they have very funny songs. She had written to me wanting to play on a dwarf show. And I thought, God, you know, this is like a cute young girl. Why would you want to play on a dwarf show? And I looked up her band, and, and they were uh, very funny and had very funny lyrics, and it was a cool thing. And I was like, fuck, yeah. So I called her in, and we did a duet about canceling, about getting canceled. <laughs> so uh, um, that should be on the next record. So yeah, that's a band for you to check out, the, the 666.
2: 666 was it? Like the numbers? Yeah. Okay. There you go, Neil.
3: Cool. They're from L.A. You know, it's spelled. I think it's spelled S-I-K-S-I-K-S-I-C-K-S. Oh, six, okay. six, six. gotcha so, okay um look that up so that's a fun one well
1: I, i'll tell you what i when that new record is ready we would love to talk to you about that again like i said i know you have a million stories there's, there's a couple things i'm curious about well let me let me ask you one one more real quick one okay the, the rock opera with ben weasel how did that how did that come apart how did you end up being the lead in the baby fat volume one yeah, you know, I'm grateful
3: to Ben for giving me that chance, because honestly, he gave me the two best songs on the record. And I remember when I was in there in the studio and and then I heard sort of all the material and I was like, Ben, why did you give me the two best songs? Why don't you take these songs? He's like, no, you're right for it. You should be doing this. And I, I I really, uh, my hat's off to him. I, I appreciate him thinking of me, you know. I, I, he's got a whole thing of his own and a lot of fans of his own. And I, I, I thought he gave me the best stuff
1: on, on that record, you know. and Very uh, ambitious. Very ambitious project for him. I don't know that it paid any dividends at the end of the day, but it was a very... Uh what is this? Yeah, Tom? I, I don't,
2: I don't even know what this is. I don't, do you want well, to describe ben,
1: this? Ben is a guy who does what's in his heart. He
3: loves opera, and so he said, "I'm going to do an opera." You know, um, and and Ben is the singer from Screeching Weasel, uh, and and uh, you know, so it's kind of a well-known Illinois
2: yeah
3: yeah pop punk band. And, and yeah. uh, but you know, he 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 also has these sort of conservative and religious beliefs, which <laughs> of course I laugh my ass off at. <laughs> but you know. Uh, um, it uh, doesn't stop him from working with me or me working with him. and, and uh, uh, But those overtones are in this thing. I mean, I think he basically wrote this opera about rock and roll and decadence and the fucked up ways that people in bands get warped by things and you know, performing warps you and, and whatever. You know, he kind of had a concept with it. And I think, you know, the main way I helped, aside from singing that, was that he had actually written melodies for all of the operatic kind of parts and I suggested doing more sort of what in opera is called recitative where you're sort of you're not really singing a melody per se I mean there's a melody there there's always some kind of melody there but you're more talking it you're more communicating that stuff so that so that there was an in-between I just felt that it got a little like because there were so many melodies all over it and the whole thing was sung you were kind of missing out on the important ones and the, the ones that were more the arias, if you will. So so when I came in and did the recitative stuff, I had rehearsed it not singing the same melodies that he had, but kind of doing it in a different way. And to his credit, you know, he was he resisted it for, for a minute while I was doing it. But then I think he saw, A, that was how I rehearsed it and then the only way I kind of knew it. But B, I think he kind of liked it. And so I think I, you know, I think I helped him a little bit with his, with his opera, but, you know, Ben's a smart guy and he's got a lot of stuff laid out. He doesn't need me, you know, so I, I, I was glad that he called me in and, and
1: gave me a couple of good tunes, you know, Neil, to make, to make a real, real long story short, he, the last two Screeching Weasel elves have been more traditional, but the right. one before that was like this huge 30 song rock opera and Black played one of the characters in it. It was very ambitious. Oh, I think. I think a lot of people felt, like myself included, felt like this would have been a really, if it would have been focused to like the 15 best songs, it would have been a really tra- traditional great punk record, though. So it's it, like it then. <laughs> it has grown on me over the years, the whole thing. Huh. But, but anyway, all right, so I'll tell you what, Black, what song would you like to play, play out on as we let you go about your, day, your life, whatever that is at this point, in your mental institution <laughs> that you're sitting in? <laughs>
3: You know, not too long ago, I saw The Misfits, which, of course, was a huge influence on me. And before the show, right as the lights went down, the last song they played before The Misfits went on was Trailer Trash, which is oh, a great
0: song.
1: Nice.
3: great song from Invented that was uh, written by Sergeant Saul Peter. And uh, I think that's a good poppy one for your crowd to go out on.
1: Let's let's do that, Neil. Let's say goodbye and thank and thank Blag for coming and talking to us. It was very, like I said, I'm afraid we only tapped the surface of the like mountain of information that is Blag. But hopefully, we can revisit it at some point.
2: Yeah, that was great. Thank you for coming I,
1: on, mate. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you. You got it. Thanks for having me. So let's play Neil Trailer Trash from Doors Invented Rock and Roll. Trailer and Trash, we'll you us, have it yeah, And we will catch everyone later.
2: Yep. Keep a little mark in your heart. Stay free.
1: And we'll smell you later.
2: Smell you later.
0: Sway trash, falling angel of the underclass. See me drive up with a perfect ass. Yeah, she moved in fast on me. When we first met, she was bumping on a cigarette. Of my dreams The police blonde hair and missing teeth Can I hide what's underneath that nymphomatic thief Who stole my heart The set of onions on her breath when she was all sparkly. I don't know. You get the feeling you've been cheated. Good night. What a fucking rotter. <laughs> What a load of old shit.